Okay, everybody, uh, I guess we can start. Um, welcome to White Line Fever Live. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. Bit uh, inconsistent, the programs at the moment. They're not on the same week at the same time like they should be, but we'll get there, we'll get there. Uh, don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, to uh, subscribe and also support the program, patreon.com forward slash White Line Fever. Our guest is a man who took, uh, who's done a lot of things, but uh, he took uh, Wales to the semi-finals of the 1995 and 2000 Rugby League World Cups. Welcome, Clive Griffiths. So, how are you, Clive? Outstanding, Steve. Outstanding. <laughs> Good to see his face. Um, uh, now, what are you up to these days? You, you coach rugby union in Doncaster. You actually look exactly the same. You look exactly the same as the last time I saw you. Yeah, well, full of compliments. No, uh, a little, little bit, a few more wrinkles, and a bit blonder on the sides, but uh, a little bit less on top due to the rigors of coaching. But um, still breathing and enjoying it uh, as the same as before. So you're coaching rugby union at Doncaster Knights, right? So how has um, how's COVID impacted on on on, on that? Well, just to, just to update you on that, I, I finished at Doncaster in May. Uh, it was time to step down after nine seasons at the club. There was uh, one and a gap and then eight. Um, so it was time to step down and, and move on to other things. But the other things, obviously, with COVID, everything else I had organised uh, post-Doncaster, have been put on hold because of COVID. So um, at the moment, it's uh, keeping, keep, trying to keep fit and um, gardening. Awesome. Or you could say I'm on garden leave. Plenty of, uh, plenty of water for the garden today, although it's just cleared here in London. Now, normally on here we talk about what's in the news and we get very excited about controversies and stuff like that. But um, I'd rather actually uh, go back to the good old days a little bit uh, in this uh, chat with you um, because um, i just been, you know, I spoke to you from my book, uh, Two Tribes, last week, and that was wonderful. We talked about the 1996 Great Britain tour which is sort of um, central to the period that uh, is covered in the book. Um, but, uh, but I wonder if we could go a little bit further back to, um, to, to that, that great, I guess, the build-up and the aftermath to 1995 World Cup, which was a great moment for Welsh Rugby League with so many great players who, who changed codes uh, to, to play Rugby League. And the, the, um, the team was revived in 1991 and uh, a 68-0 win over Papua New Guinea in 1991, um, where Jonathan Davis had a blinder and scored a shed load of points. Do you remember much about that, that night and, and the excitement that, you know, that the team was back? It may surprise you, but it, it seems like it was yesterday. Um, <laughs> going back to where I, where I lived down in West Wales and a little village called Pencloud, uh, which was eight miles away from Swansea. Uh, we played at the Vetch Field, and um, as a kid, I used to go and watch the Swans play there. Uh, but to go back, and obviously, we got family at the game, and uh, all the hype surrounding the match with um, you know the, the boys going, coming up from um, from Rugby Union. And uh, it, it was, you know, we'd watch Papua New Guinea, they played Great Britain in a series before that. A few of the boys who played against them, and it was going to be we were going to be sort of the launch pad of the tour. Um, well, it sort of uh, dampened the door because obviously we gave them such a thump in that, uh, you know, it did impact it on the test matches that were about to be played with Great Britain. 
Um, it also impacted on them of our boys because they played so well, they got in the Great Britain team. But it was a huge crowd on the night, uh, a fantastic occasion. And we, you know, we sort of launched rugby league then on that night. And, you know, the sort of uh, momentum continued right up to, as you say, 95. Um, and then obviously the boys went back, most of the boys went back to rugby union because rugby union went open uh, in 95. And then we had to sort of rebuild and end up to the 2000 World Cup when I finished. But um, going back to 91, it was a special night, really special. And how was the public reaction? The public seems to have been quite open um, to uh, a rugby league team. Uh, maybe Welsh Rugby Union, not so open. What, how, how did you kind of manage to get acceptance from the public and be embraced you know, so openly as, as you were? Well, before the game, obviously, you know, we had to sell the game and uh, and the the lads like Jonathan and those lads who were con- converted, they, you know, we did uh, a lot of press conferences and PR work uh, down in West Wales, particularly in Swansea. Um, you know, I'd advertise the game as much as possible, you know, um, and sell it. And, you know, we did quite well for that first game. And as I said, there was a sizable crowd on uh, that night. And of course, the win itself and the manner of the win sort of uh, grabbed the attention of everybody and the excitement for things going forward because we had some some really uh, mouth-watering games scheduled to come up, like New Zealand as well, and then uh, Australia. So um, it was indeed a, a sort of a, a turning point for for the Welsh team, um, which had gone into hibernation for a while, of course. And, uh, you know, these boys were incredible. You know, they, they did everything in their power to, to make sure it was a success on and off the field. In 1992, you had your first win on French soil in 30 years. Um, and then in 1993, took on the touring New Zealand team. And then in 1994, took on the great 1994 Kangaroos. Um, what, what are your uh, recollections of those camps and, and, and the and the, the sort of vibe around those matches? Well, again, sheer excitement, to be honest, Steve, um, and, and a great challenge for us all. You know, we'd, we'd all converted from, uh, from rugby union, and there we are being thrust up against the world's best, you know, in, in, the, in their own court by their own right, you know, but, but they've been sort of brought up on. Yes, there were a few converts in the uh, in New Zealand and uh, Australian camps, but predominantly they were in the Australia where state of origin players all where they can go and so forth. Um, and you know, I, I remember going back, you know, so Quentin Pongi and people like that playing for uh Stephen Kearney playing for the for the Kiwis. They had a damn good side. And you know, we give them we give them a heck of a game at Swansea. We, we didn't run up with our winners, but we you know we, we came up with a lot of credit in that game. But obviously uh I remember the, the carnage downstairs <laughs> when we played um Australia at Indian Park and went down. David Young had got a massive cut over his eye, which uh, required numerous stitches. And John Dever broke his jaw uh, in a massive collision with Mamaninga. So the boys did it tough that day. And uh, but they never gave in, it, it, although we were hopelessly outgunned. But it, it taught us a lot of good lessons. Me, me as a coach and the boys as as rugby league players. And I think it stood us in good stead for what's about to happen in, in the next few years. Mm. 1995 World Cup uh, on home soil. Um, I won't 
I won't try to show off my knowledge of score lines or anything. I'll just sort of ask you to um, to talk about the build-up to that tournament and the expectation. And obviously, the game against Western Samoa was a, was a high point for the sport in in, in Wales. Going and Wales did um, um, play the very first international ever of rugby league. But um, when you was assembling that team, um, and then you, the team went into camp. Um, can you tell us what it was like? Well, again, uh, sheer excitement um, because um, you know you can't get much bigger than um, uh, rugby rugby league World Cup, and um, we had been reinforced by a number of what we, they were termed at the time Anglo's, but uh, I've had lots to say about that uh, since those days. Um, you know, we had people like Calvin Skerritt, um, Neil Cowie, Martin Hall, Richie Ayres, Paul Aitchison uh, come on board. Um, and really, you know, really embraced the whole feeling of Welshness um, and, you know, fitted in with, with, with ease to our, our group. And they added to us, of course, because of their rugby league nows, but not to detract from the, the way that, the, you know, the, the, the Welsh lads who would convert it to rugby league played in that tournament because each and every one of them were immense. What, what I, what I will tell you about that, Steve, is that we, we developed a bond um, and a togetherness, a unity that was second to none. I've never experienced much like it since. Um, it was, a, you know, it was a camp which was together for a number of weeks and it was a pretty intense camp because the games came thick and fast and they were very brutal games as well. But everybody was... Um, was so good in terms of the way they conducted themselves on and off the field. And again, they, the way they embraced the Welsh public. And we, we, we stayed in Cardiff and then um, we travelled to the games and then we moved north to the semi-final. But, you know, they'd done themselves proud, as I said, on, on and off the field. And particularly, you know, in the first two games against France and, and the epic game against Samoa in Swansea again. And then we moved north and we took uh, an unprecedented number of spectators at the Old Trafford or the semi-final, they've never been heard of before. Mm. So it had gripped the imagination of, of the Welsh public uh, really well. And, um, you know, it, it was a special day, you know, in Old Trafford, even though we, we lost, uh, you know, at the end of the game, you know, when all the boys were up to Stratford End and, um, you know, sort of clapped the, the thousands of Welsh fans who'd taken the time to travel north to support us. You know, it, it, was, it was so intense, as I said, and, you know, we played uh, France in a short turn against Samoa and in the shorter turnaround against England, uh, which was our undoing, really. And um, the physical side of the game against Samoa was a telling factor. It, might, it, was, it, it was delight again to go. Sorry, it was like a kind of... Uh, it was like a kind of scene out of a war movie, really, that game against Samoa. Um, um, you know, some of the things that were said before and after, I know Graham Lowe... Um, afterwards, he was a coach of Samoa. Was um, um, you know said it was the toughest game he'd seen. Um, what was? It, can you take us inside yeah. the, the sheds before and after that match? Um, you know, tell us how the guys prepared themselves mentally for 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 a game like that, and 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 what state they were in afterwards. Well, I think. Uh, you you had seasoned professionals there, and players who had played. To the highest level intensity 
whether they were rugby union converts or bona fide rugby league players. So they knew what it took to, to be in the cauldron of a, an event like that, and a game like that. Um, we'd beaten France comfortably. Samoa then absolutely thumped France, and we, you know, we'd watched the video, and you know, you got someone like Inga Tinkamala, you know, and it's like Tani Solomona, these huge fellas. Uh, John Schuster, you know, the, the, the names, Willie Pochen, they, they, they had sort of uh, household names in, in their team. And uh, we knew it, we had to bring our class A game, all of us, me as a coach, the, you know, the management, uh, the players, everybody. We, we had to be really tight together to bring, to bring an intensity and a game plan to the, to the night that would, would beat them. And it was indeed ferocious. And we just had the 25th anniversary of, of, of that tournament um, and it's been t- dialogued quite recently in the Welsh press about, about it and you know everybody that was there that night like yourself you know will never forget um, the atmosphere the singing the standard of play and but the ferociousness, ferociousness of the game and the intensity of the hits which were unbelievable um, Again, going back to, uh, to, 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 to West Wales, uh, again, was, was special. But this was even, even bigger than 91 because this was a World Cup. And in both our games, our pool games, we you know, had, had the kickoffs delayed because there were so many people who wanted to get in. And indeed, in fact, the veg field was sold out. There were people locked out in the veg. So, again, you know, from 91 to 95, you know, it was gradually building and building and building. Um, here we were now in this cauldron and you know the prospect of a semi-final at Old Trafford against England which was uh, obviously a great attraction as well so yes lots of great memories and after after the game nobody left nobody left the ground so you know the, the players I joined them at the end uh, you know we all all the management we all we, we did a another lap of honour but we went across the the big West Bank, and you know, it was. Uh, you, you can I can never forget moments like that, Steve. It, it you know, it it oozed Welshness and it, it oozed sort of pride, passion, and everything that goes with it. Now, um, the bottom would fall out because the Super League war basically forced the hand of rugby union. Rugby union went openly professional, as you say. You've got a favourite saying about about um, about rugby union players and rugby league players. Do you want to repeat it? Uh, <laughs> it's been used before, and Tony Collins used it in the Gold Breakers uh, uh, program. Um, I was asked, I went back to do a, a, a chat at my, my own school, and I was asked the question uh, what was the difference between, well, what have you found the difference between rugby league and rugby union? I just said, uh, rugby league players pay tax. It's as simple <laughs> as that. So it's been used a few times since then, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was just, uh, that was, that was that was one of the things that uh, tickled me pink when uh, you know people uh, criticised rugby league and so forth. That uh, you know I obviously experienced what was going on at the time, and in '95, obviously it all changed and a dramatic effect on 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 the Welsh rugby league team and and, and the game in general. But the, the players, um, you know, in rugby union were well looked after then and didn't didn't turn pro. But in 1996, you went to the uh, Wales, went to the uh, the first ever World Nines, which we're still, we still have them every now and then. We had one last year uh, in Sydney. Um, 
Um, now, that was in Fiji. It was the launch of Super League, um, and it happened against the backdrop of a court case in Sydney where Super League was subsequently outlawed. Uh, we had the ARL driving, you know, uh, Bob Abbott from the ARL riding his bicycle around the island uh, telling players they couldn't play because they were contracted to the ARL. It's a kind of a, it's a tournament that's kind of lost in rugby league history. It's, uh, it's a few grainy... Um, a few grainy bits of footage on YouTube, uh, but most people forget it was even played. Um, terrible weather, um, and the best, some of the best rugby league talent in the world on a tiny island playing in front of a few hundred people. Um, what are your recollections of the 1996 World Nines in, in Suva? Uh, recollections first. M- Martin Hall came with us, and because of that row, he didn't play. Uh, he became coach. Uh, water carrier a lot. Um, I remember the the monsoon weather we had after day one or was washed out one of the days and I had to have, which resulted in the, the tournament having to be revamped. Um, I remember then the parade going through uh, to Suva and, you know, all the teams lined up and the thousands and thousands of Fijians there lying in the streets and give us an outstanding welcome. You know, as much kava as you could drink if you wanted to. Um, but they were, you know, hanging out of everywhere, windows, um, climbing up trees and, and just, oh, you know, everything was just to get a vantage point, just to see this, you know, these teams coming through. You, I were idolised, absolutely idolised. And uh, I remember having a chat with Ricky Stewart in, uh, on the way through and, um, uh, you know, it, it, it was just a, a sight to behold, really. I was well supported then in the games. But, you know, that, that day was washed out. You've never, ever thought about, you know, what was going to happen. And of course, you know, we, we slipped up against uh, PNG. We, we, we lost 10-8 in our pool game. And we went into the, the second tier tournament, which we won. Uh, again, beating some Western Samoa in the final. Um, and Willie Pocheng, again, was part of that team. And he said, and they wanted to see me again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they were great. You know, they... The Samoans just, you know, they were, you know, a cross between, we said, maybe you said before you've heard it, a cross between Rockwell and Lassie, they rip you to pieces and go for help afterwards. They were that nice after the game. Um, and, you know, they were, they, were, they were superb sports afterwards. And uh, what was done on the field was absolutely forgotten. And we yeah. had some really, really good times with them off the field. We did with the Kiwis as well. We stayed in the same hotel as us. So... Um, the togetherness uh, of the teams and everything that went with it, uh, in 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 the light of what you said was going on off the field, uh, and if just to come back with the the golden canoe, it was a sort of one the cup it was a a big boat with it was superbly carved, and that's now in the Welsh Hall of Fame. Uh, so um, we came back with something, and uh, yeah, it was another sort of landmark for us to. to as a country to win something, you know, it was a nines tournament. It was still something prestigious for us to do. Now, 1996, um, again, the, the sort of golden period wasn't over. Um, you won the European Championship in 1996, um, and then heading and then heading into the uh, heading into the Great Britain tour of the South Pacific. So, um, at that point, Welsh rugby league was was still on a real high, wasn't it? Yeah, we still are. We'd lost a lot of players, as I said, 96. 95, actually, we won the European Championship. Yeah. Um, 96, we came runners-up. We, runners we gave England a good game. 
um, um, we just we beat them obviously in '95 close, and then they beat us in '96 close. We'd lost a lot of players back. Um, uh, some of the boys had stayed and played to play for the South Wales team that was uh, launched in that year. Um, but the two years in particular were pretty outstanding and and on different uh, for different reasons. '95, we won that European Championship for the first time in 57 years. Not many people sort of remember that. Um, and of course, in '95, obviously as we've mentioned, it went open. In '96, the South Wales team then disbanded, and uh, like I said, I went on the Lions tour and came back, and there was uh, there was no job there, and that's when I went back into rugby union '96. So, um, how, how would you sum time, up sort the of lost opportunity there, uh, Clive? Like to explain it to the viewers and listeners that lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, well, we did. A, we did make a representation to Rugby League Council. Uh, we had we in great talks with Cardiff City Council, and we um, we got the Cardiff Arms Park to play. Um, there was prospective sponsor ready for us. Um, you know, we'd done great work off the field. Mike Nicholas was uh, was heavily involved in that as well, and. Um, you know, it was there for us. It, there was a great opportunity, and I, I do believe if we'd, you know, if, the, if if rugby league had grabbed the nettle at the time and been bold, uh, and not about not thought about the fear of failure or the reduced amount of funding that other clubs may have had to take to get us into Super League, then we would have had a New Zealand situation, the Warriors, Auckland Warriors situation. Um, in Wales, and we, we maintained it because you know, the flow uh, would have still would have been there, uh, another avenue for it. And of course, geographically, it was easy. You know, it was not as difficult to get to Catalans uh, or to Toronto, for example. Yeah. So, you know, and the great history of Welsh Rugby League as well could have continued by a, you know, the Welsh, a Welsh club uh, team, which would then have... Uh, supplemented the Welsh national team and kept that strong as well. So it's a double-edged sword to it, really, but uh, it was voted out, and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> now, all this, all this stuff going wrong, losing players back to rugby union and having the um, idea of a professional club um, killed off by the Rugby Football League, um, yet you get to half-time in Huddersfield in the next World Cup in, in 2000, and you're leading Australia. Um, how did you do that? How did you, over those four years, how did you, you know, keep the national side so competitive that they, they were leading Australia at halftime in a World Cup semi-final? Well, everyone, everyone knew, again, going back to that Samoa game, um, I mentioned about players knowing that it was a special game coming up here. Uh, they knew that, you know, if they really didn't perform on that night, it could be embarrassing because Australia was just smashing everybody on site. I think they put on, was it Russia? They put 100 points on? Yep. Um, yep. In one of the programs. I mean, it was just, oh, um, the teams that they, the players are at their disposal, you know, <laughs> um, they were just incredible team. Um, and they, they, as I said, they smashed everybody before them. But we had the two, the two pool games, um, Starting off, uh, we we you know we'd won them. Uh, the match against then New Zealand was a uh, was a dead rubber, so we rested a lot of players. Um, 
and we played PNG in, in the quarterfinal. And I remember, um, I think it was Wayne Bennett's brother was coaching Papua New Guinea at the time. Um, yeah, and uh, Lam, Adrian Lamb was, uh, was the captain. Um, they, they said some disparaging things before the game, uh, uh, which uh, uh, motivated us a bit more. So, you now we beat them at Widnes, and then we went on to that, that semi-final, as you, um, as you mentioned. We had injuries, uh, which necessitated me you know, going back to get uh, uh, John Dever and Paul Moriarty. Um, because we were just had no more players left. Took a bit of flack over that, but we got it through. And um, it was just a matter of trying to give the boys some belief um, against overwhelming odds that we could actually do this. You know, you, you talk to most rugby league people and you're thinking, you know, even they say Wales are going to beat uh, Australia in the semi final, take you away in a white coat, wouldn't they? You know, <laughs> with white coats, people and take you in a straight jacket. <laughs> so, um, bit by bit, I remember, I remember showing them uh, Sheffield against Wigan uh, when you know, Sheffield beat Wigan at, at Wembley as an example, and, and various other little things where you know the, the underdog had come good. And yeah, for 60 minutes, we, had, we were good, we were good. Um, and then from that point on, we touched the ball. For about ten minutes, and then it was it was you know you don't give Australia back to back sets. So they scored the kick off, they keep it penalty. We didn't touch the ball because I mean we had penalties against. Remember it, and we we're constantly in, in defending, 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 and then eventually the strapping and the injections wore off, <laughs> and they came through. I remember Pat uh, Fritler had a played an outstanding captain's knock that night. Mm. Uh, he was. Absolutely outstanding for He rallied them. Um, and yeah, um, you know, they were, again, very gracious you know, to us. They, you know, they, they did underestimate us. And, um, you know, they were floundering for, for, for two thirds of the match, Steve, you know. Uh, and everything that we planned worked. You know, the, the, taking the points, the drop goals, um, hitting it wide, hitting short sides. You know, Kieran Cannon was immense that night, as was, you know, Yestin at fullback, Ian Watson at halfback, and Lee Breers. He was mercurial, absolutely mercurial. But the boys, you know, the boys up front, you know, they stuck to their guns, um, you know, against a, a star-studded Australian team. And, it, you know, it was, it was a, probably not... You like going out of a job where you've had so much joy out of over the years, and I nine years as head coach of Wales Rugby League. But if I had to go out, uh, it was my last, my last game for Wales as, as head coach, it was in that manner, you know. Your, your team given absolutely everything against the best team in the world. And it showed in the final where they just, they went, just ran over New Zealand in the final. So very, very proud. Very, very proud of all the players of the privilege of coaching over the years. Um, whether it's 95 or 2000, they've all absolutely played their hearts out every time they put that red jersey on. You know, and even times we've been outgunned, as I said, but they've always, always, you know, kept that, looked at that badge when they're in moments of crisis or toughness, when they're in their lungs are hanging out and they've come back for more. So it, it, it was a special time, yeah. 
I'll finish up. That was that's wonderful. I'll finish up by just asking your thoughts on what's happened since. We've had some um, professional clubs ha- end up did happen in Wales, but you know they fell over and they had financial problems. And um, we still, you know, we 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 still we as a sport are still in Wales, and there's a new administration of the Welsh Rugby League. What are you, what are your thoughts on on sort of what's happened since and 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 what the future might be for the game? Oh, oh, like everybody, I'll disappoint you when the Crusaders went went under. Um, but then we're delighted to be part of the, the group that sort of rejuvenated the club. Um, and we started with a blank sheet of paper when I when I went in with the Crusaders. And you know, um, you know, we, we we've established the club now, and I, I think it'll always be there. Touch wood. Um, from little acorns grow big oaks, but we have got, you know. Um, Two sides in Wales. One is down in deepest West Wales again, struggling a little bit, but they seem to be getting some good players on board now. And there's ambition there, you know, that will, um, we'll, we'll see how that goes in the future. But um, in terms of uh, in North and South, yeah, let, let's see how far we can go. Um, not every rugby, not every sort of player in rugby union is going to play, you know, regional rugby um, or even premiership rugby. And they probably more suited to, to to rugby league. And if they can earn, earn some, uh, some an extra living on top of what they're doing already, and why not? You know, why didn't they give it a go? And, and you know, there'll be plenty of those around. So th- there's enough rugby players to to keep the conveyor belt going, and, and them working again, like like in '95, side by side with players who've been brought up in the game, can only be a good thing. So I, you know, I, I think there's plenty of hope. Um, I. You know, I don't want to see people just throwing the towel and I think you should persevere with it. And as the Crusaders have done, obviously got a new home now. Um, the Crusaders have done, just keep keep the flag flying in the north and the south and, and who knows in the future um, what will happen if somebody comes along and and, and does, uh, does what happens at Wrexham Football Club recently. <laughs> then you never know. Is it, before we go, is there anything you'd like to promote, anything you're up to that you'd like people to know about? Well, if you need your gardens landscaping, I'm, I'm pretty good at that now. And uh, cutting grass and uh, trimming trees and, and things like that. I'm still no good lining and washing up, so don't, don't get me doing that. But uh, no, I was just to... Um, yeah, I, I you know, sort of left um, Doncaster, I said, I needed to step, step down. And I think it was time for both of us to part our ways. A long, long time um, up there and outstanding people in Doncaster and I'm standing rugby club. It's time to move on and let uh, some fresh blood go on. Um, as I said, I tend to take a step back, which I have done. Um, and I'm just looking forward now. The, the batteries have been recharged, Steve, and I'm, I'm ready to get the tracksuit back on again and get out there another um, a crack with the boys again and, um, uh, yeah, and get some coaching done and get some, some matches back on, on the weekend, which... Uh, is the end product of what you do in the week. And the excitement, where all the excitement starts. And that's what we play the game for. So that's all I'm doing at the moment, is waiting like a lot of people for this cloud to lift and uh, get back to some sort of normality in, in, in the months ahead. You know, it's, it's, it's still a long haul ahead of us. And, you know, I just hope our NHS will, will be in, well, angels, haven't they? Uh, I just hope our NHS is not overrun. And, um, you know, people stay safe and stay sensible. But um, just to wish everybody, you know, um, 
stay safe, that's all. I'm sure rugby league... I'm sure you don't miss rugby league and rugby union as much as they, they miss you, Clive, and uh, you'll be back with a vengeance next oh. year. Thank, thanks, yeah. for helping, um, thanks for helping with the book last week and thanks for coming on this week. Thank you, Clive.